Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, open up to John chapter 17. And uh, David, if you put that first slide up, there's a card in your bulletin that you'll notice there. And uh, that we are changing our service times. And uh, so we're... The who to what did what? The file didn't want to go right now? Uh, yeah. Um, go, but go up on my desk. And right under my monitor, there's a little yellow USB holder on there. And it has that on the uh, inside there. It's a little mini 8 gig one that's in there. And you can get that, praise the Lord. Um, but inside your bulletin, there's a card this morning. And it talks about us changing our service times. And uh, starting on September 22nd, we're going to be going back to one service. And uh, we have a lot of different reasons behind that. I'm not going to take a lot of time this morning to, uh, to share about that. But in this area of doing that, uh, it's just good for us to come together as one. If you look around this morning in first service, you guys are, are awesome. You get up, you come early and be here. But providing all the ministry that we provide for and being where we've been for the last year has been, it hasn't really, there hasn't been that growth, and that's not negative. What has happened, we have a lot of families moving, transitioning stuff, and we're maintaining and doing that. But how many look around, look at all the room we have in here, a lot of room, amen? And so second service is just a little bit more than what we have here, and so we have enough room to combine together. So the need to do ser two services is more convenient than it is necessity. That makes sense? And so we love convenience today and doing all that, but trying to provide that for options for people is really a real burden on workers and everybody. And so we've been at the point where we've had to decide, are we going to be able to uh, maintain children's ministry in first service because we actually have not had enough worker to maintain full children's ministry for, for, for both services, for first service and that. And so we're having to make a decision whether to continue children's ministry as starting this month in September. So as we started debating all that, we began talking. I talked to all of our leadership, our life group. I talked to our board. We presented it all and walked through everything. And we just feel that the best decision for where we are moving forward is to bring our church together. Amen? and unify our vision, especially as we're building a new sanctuary. When we move in the new sanctuary, we definitely were going to be going to one service. We have room for everybody, preparing everybody, so that's an exciting time. But we want to build that together and strengthen that bond of unity together. Amen? And so in doing that, so we're excited about that. What we're going to do on the 22nd, though, is Stephen and Portia are here with us, and so we're going to do an introductory service over in the middle building. And so we want everybody to get a vision for what it will be like to have a, a foyer where we can have fellowship together. Amen? And so by having that and having time, so we have some things planned for that. And then we'll have service in there in the fellowship hall. The only thing that, that has held us back from doing that is a little sketchy that will be a little, it'll be a challenge for our restrooms on that service, okay? Because we have one restroom in there. There's two in the sanctuary, but how many know having to go to the bathroom in the sanctuary during service is a little awkward, so it's kind of like, you know, having porta potty on each side of the stage. So we won't be doing that, amen? But in that area, but it will allow us to be to people to get a vision of what it's going to be like, what it's going to look like, because half of that is already it, remodeled, and the sanctuary will be twice as big as what we're going to be in. So we're excited for that, and to kick that off, and then with Stephen and Porsche have a special day for a vision Sunday like that. And so there's so many areas that make that happen, so we're excited to be able to share that and to bring that together, but sharing vision. The other side of that is that when you do have two services, you essentially have two separate churches 
churches and two congregations. And there are people that go to this church that you have never met. Depending upon where you've been coming here or doing whatever. And so being able to build that. And even in our life group. So when we have the room, we have the resources. It does several things. It allows us to come together and build a stronger bond together as a church. Amen? As a family together. And then also it allows us to come together. Just think about it like this. What if your family just broke up and every time you got together uh, or every time you had dinner, well, it probably... I don't know if this is a good illustration because people don't always eat around the same table today and doing that. But being able to come together or just being in different locations and never meeting your family but saying you had a family reunion. Amen? Because church is like a family reunion. Every Sunday we come together, we meet together. But then if we never see the other half of the family, we don't even know who our relatives are. Or how they're doing. So being able to do that. And so for our life groups, for everything, we're just excited. It's a good move. And so we're excited for what God wants to build together. Amen? And so doing with that. So John chapter 17, as you turn there this morning, and looking at this, and uh, we will. Do you bring your Bible? Okay, are you ready? Make our declaration with me. You got that one, David? Say this with me. This is my Bible. I live by its truth, I walk in its light, I rest in its promises, I'm empowered by its love, I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into my heart. Father, I thank you today for your word, I thank you for your truth, and I thank you for your presence in our lives. Holy Spirit, do your work in us, in Jesus' name, somebody said. Amen. John chapter 17, and in verse 11, Jesus prays this prayer. He says, I'm now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father. Keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. So the heart of God is that we would be one. And as we move together, David, this has been our theme. And so as we're moving into this season of transition, people say, well, Pastor, why are we doing this? What is the reason behind that? And so to take and share the whole process with you uh, would take a whole service in that. But I think the goal of what we tried to say and how we do this, that together we dream, together we grow, and together we build, because we're always better together. Amen? And so there's that other part. Amos 3 says this, can two walk together unless they be agreed? And so even for our congregation right now, I, I wish it was at a place where we were, you know, we, we don't have any more room and we have to do two services. But because we don't have to and we can bring us all together as one and corporately catch a vision and walk together in that vision, it makes more sense to bring us together than it does to keep us apart. Are you with me this morning? So together, we just are better together. So watch your outline this morning. We'll walk through this. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit about why we need a local church and the purpose of the church. Many people today, if you'll listen to our culture today, most people do not think church is necessary as a normal, as, as a natural, normal part of their life. Many people you're here today, well, I believe in God. I just don't like organized religion. Amen. We like everything else organized. You're going to get in your car and you're going to be glad your motor is organized and follows a firing order. If your pistons start firing out of order, you're going nowhere, honey. 
Amen. So everything, God is a God of order. Everything works by order. So follow along with me. Jesus came with a single purpose to this earth, and that was to redeem fallen man. Jesus came to redeem humanity for no other reason. He completed that work upon Calvary by conquering death, hell, and the grave for us. And now we're called to live together in his finished victory. So, now that man is redeemed, he needs a new place of identity and purpose. We're redeemed out of the world. That's why we're redeemed out of the world. So where is my new place of identity going? I no longer identify with the world. I no longer live with the world. I'm no longer of the world. Jesus said you are in the world, but we are not of the world. So if the world is not my identity, where is my new place of identity and purpose? The local church is to be the matrix or the womb for development in the life of the believer. See, it would be great if church was a place where there was no adversity, opposition, conflicts, or problems. How many could say? Amen. Amen. Man, wouldn't that be a great church? I want to find a church that had no adversity, no opposition, no problems. The only pro- problem is there would be no people. Because every person, we all have our own idiosyncrasies and personalities and differences and tastes and likes and everything else. And then on top of that, we all have our own opinions. Isn't that awesome? And then we have to bring that all together and somehow get a corporate holy amen. That we just live in this amazing unity together. But the problem is that the church has two opposing forces. The number one opposer of the church is the devil who wants to destroy the church any way he can. The number one way he does that is the devil says, hey, look at that person, look at that person, look at that person, look at that person, look at that Hey, did you see what they did? Did you hear what they said? Hey, look at that, look at that, think about that, see that. Hey, 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 hey. And you're going, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and so then what happened? That causes division. Secondly, the second opposition is us to the church. is man. Because man wants to control it and make it his own creation. Well, I think church ought to be. This is what I think. And so we control that. And so that, that's why people are, how come there's so many different churches? Because of point number two. Because man has made his religions. And we add to or take away. And there are all kinds of people. Well, I don't believe in that. There's all kinds of, do you know that even if you go back and read church history, do you know how much division there's been over communion? Over whether this actually becomes the body and the blood and doing all this over the holy host, depending upon where you come from, and the reformers, you go back to the Reformation, all kinds of stuff, and people who were even in that and transub. Uh, uh, we even get big words to make it sound like we're really smart when we don't even know what we're talking about. Amen. So, watch this. So, the Word of God declares His purpose for the church. Psalms 92. Let me read a couple of scriptures. Go with me to Psalms. We're going to read Psalms 92 and Psalms 1. Psalms 92. Listen to this. Beginning verse 12. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. How many could shout amen? amen. That's a good verse. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Amen. Now watch that. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord 
shall flourish in the courts of their God. Look at verse 14. They shall still bear fruit in what? That's one of my favorite verses lately. Amen. You get over 60, that becomes one of your favorite verses. Amen. Watch it. Now what? They shall be fresh and flourishing. Come on, that's a promise from God. Come on, I'm plant. Let me just read it to you like this. I, I believe that. When people say, Pastor, you don't look your age. I tell you, you want to know why? Because I'm planted in the house of my God. And I have a promise from God that if I'm planted in his house, I will flourish in his court. And I will still be fruitful even in old age. Amen. I like to, every now and then I do things, but I, I have a brother, Philip Goodo Jr. He's, a, he's a, just a big, scrapping young black man and, and Pastor Phil's uh, son. And uh, I didn't really realize how much he weighed. He's just a big boy. So I saw him at, at, the, at our pastor's, uh, city pastor's luncheon on Thursday, and I just grabbed him. like ah, And I picked him up, and I hugged him like this. He goes, dude, you just deadlifted me. I said, oh, yeah. He goes, I weigh 260 pounds. He says, how can you do that? Because I'm planted in the whole. <laughs> How you been? And I said, well, actually, I weigh 200, and so that was only a 60-pound lift for me. Amen. So watch it. And said, the watch, I watch. To declare the Lord is upright, he is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. Go with me to Psalms 1. Watch this. Psalms chapter 1, and look at the first three verses. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. That's referring to the world system, being involved in the world. Well, watch this. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Why? He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of living water that brings forth his fruit in his season, whose leaves shall not wither, and who whatever he does shall prosper. I'm telling you what, it pays to be planted in God. Amen? It stays to be connected to Him. So, the house of God is the place where we are to be planted and to flourish in His courts and to declare His righteousness. Also, Ephesians 2 says, what used to be a physical building is now a spiritual body. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 2. So, I don't want you to just say, Pastor, you're just saying that's because you're a pastor of church. You want everybody to go here. Yeah, that's good. The only reason I want everybody to go here is because I want everybody to go to heaven. And the only way you get to heaven is by knowing the truth, not by having your opinion. The Word's going to get you to heaven, not your opinion. Could you say amen? amen? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18. For through Him, we both have access by one Spirit to the Father, through Christ. Verse 19. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but watch this, but fellow citizen. So that is communion. The word communion, if you break it down, means common union. We have a common union together, and that union is who we are in Christ. But fellow citizens with the saints and members of what? The household of God, having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building, somebody say building, in whom the whole building being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together. Somebody say together. 
for a habitation of God in the Spirit. Now watch this. Why is the devil against the church? Why does he want all the different ideas? Because if we ever live in this or get a hold of this or desire to see this come to pass, then we come together and we actually assemble. That's why Hebrews 10.25 says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together because when you assemble together, we enact Ephesians 4.16 that says that the body comes together and it edifies it builds up and strengthens itself by that which every joint supplies. The one thing the devil does not want is God's word active and alive in you, and he never wants it alive in his church. Amen. Amen. And so he doesn't want us building this tabernacle that is a spiritual tabernacle where God will come in and inhabit or dwell in the midst of his people. And when God shows up, how many know he brings his provision? How many know he brings his power? How many know he brings deliverance? How many know he brings truth? He brings freedom. He brings victory. Amen. How many know the devil doesn't want that? So he goes back to that, hey, look at that, think about this, look at this, do all that stuff. Hey, let's just not be ignorant of his devices, is what Paul said. And so, thirdly, it is built by the saints being assembled together, as I already said. So it's no longer a physical building, it is now the spiritual habitation. So look inside your outline. God ordained the church to be a spiritual body that is made up of God's people who have been born again, who have been born of the Spirit, made alive unto God equipped, empowered, and led by the Holy Spirit. We are saved. When we are saved, Paul declared that we are all baptized into one body. Amen? Or the church. Go with me to 1 Corinthians. Go back to your left a little bit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and beginning in verse 12. says this, for as the body is, what? One and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also, watch this, is Christ. So we've been ministering about being in Christ. Living and being in Christ. And so I'm trying to get you to get the understanding, even this morning, of Christ in you, the hope of glory. But if I am in Christ as a believer, then I must also be in the church. Amen. Amen. I must be in the church. I'm not an individual separated believer. Well, I believe in God. I just don't go to church. Then you're not in Christ. You're not in Christ. Because the church isn't an organization. The church is Christ. Paul said the body is one and he's talking about Christ. Amen? Even if you go to Ephesians chapter 2, when Paul says he's talking about a husband, or Ephesians 6, 5, 5. Ephesians. Read the whole book till you find it. Amen. <laughs> Do you good. But Ephesians 5, Paul, Paul says I'm talking about a husband and wife. He says I'm not talking about a husband and wife. I'm talking about the church. Ephesians 5. And so that analogy is that two come together and they become one and, and they work together and flow together and bring new life together as one. But he said that's how the church works. It is a common union together. So for a believer to say, I don't need the local church. And you're saying, I don't need to be in Christ. Are you doing all right? 
And so it, it's not that that's a, there's an area I'm going to say it here about our culture in a minute. So watch this. So he said, look at verse 13 for by what one somebody say one. So just watch all the time he says one. For by one spirit we are all baptized into what? One body. So the moment I get saved, I'm baptized into this glorious thing called the body of Christ. Okay? The church is a synonymous term for the body. When Jesus said, I will build my church... He also said, I will build my body. How many know that the Bible says that Jesus is the head of the church? How many know that being the head of something also references that to us we understand that because our head is the head of our body? Are you with me? So the analogy flows together. Now watch this. We're all baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we all have been made to drink into what? One spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. It is one body made up of what? Many members. And listen to what people, here's the lie. The Bible say, well, um, how could I say this? How many of you, uh, you right now are aware of everything every organ in your body is doing? There are things that are happening inside you that you're not aware of. How could you be so insensitive <laughs> to not notice every member of your body and what it's doing right now? People say, they don't notice me when I'm not there. I ask this, do we notice you when you are here? Listen to me. You live in an I-me culture. And if you come to church for me or for I, I went there and nobody noticed me. Church is not where you come to be noticed. Churches come where you come to function. Church is where you come to bring a supply to the need of the whole. I'll be brutally honest with you this morning. What do you bring when you come? If you come in and go out and bring no supply to the need of the whole. Then why would we miss you when you're gone? Do you understand? How many, how many have worked with that person on the job? They show up, they get there, they're there all day, and at the end of the day, you go, why am I carrying your load? Why am I working? How come they get by? How come they're not that functioning? They're not. Are you listening to me? And, and I'm not trying to be impersonal. I just want to answer the why of it is important. We are here to make a difference to the need of the whole. So let me walk through this. We won't get through it all. The second page in there is just good stuff for you to read on your own. So why do we need to be plugged into a local church? Go with me to Matthew chapter 16. Are you doing okay? Matthew chapter 16, watch this. Verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? 
How many of you, know you could ask that question today out on the streets and people give you all kinds of different answers too? Who do you think Jesus is? That'd be a good interview. Take one of our cameras out and in. But who's Jesus to you? We get all the same answers. So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, now watch this, but who do you say that I am? Everybody look up here just for a moment. Let me ask you, who is Jesus to you? Who is he? What, what, what revelation do you have of who he is? Not opinion, but revelation in your heart. When you say, who is, Jesus is saying, who am I? And he's asking his disciples to tell him, each one, who am I? Tell me, do you understand who I am? Who am I? Watch. But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answers, then, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Now watch verse 18. And I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Peter, from Simon named Peter, Peter meaning Petros, meaning the rock. So we have a whole, one whole religion that says Jeter, the church is being built upon Peter. That isn't what it means. The church is being built on the revelation of who Jesus Christ is. The revelation, the church is built on the revelation. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. And upon this revelation of who I am, I will build my church. I am the Christ, the sent one, the anointed one, the Messiah, the son of the living God. And that's what the church is built upon. Amen? And so Jesus said, but look what he do. And he said, I will build my church church he is doing one thing in the earth and one thing only Jesus is building his church and any idea that I have contrary to that that no he's building my life as an individual you must be removed from the I me religion to flourish in God God saved you, and he uses you. Now, let me say it to you like this, and it's down at the bottom of the page, because I'm a little bit ahead of myself. But our individual relationship and walk with God is with the Lord is how he fashions us to be effective members of his body. We need individual identities and relationship with God. But as I develop my personal relationship with the Lord, my personal relationship with the Lord is what makes me effective in the body. Are you doing all right? All right. So let's go on to a couple of these. So watch this. Jesus declares, I'll build my church. See, man loves to do many things in his name, but he is doing one thing, building his church. I think of all the ministries, all the other things. Many times we hear parachurch ministry and doing all that. Those are all good. We support ministry, doing missions on the street. Lord's Gym is a parachurch ministry and that. But it's only good to the effect that it's building the church. Are you doing all right? Everything has to be connected to the church. When he returns, hear me this morning, when he returns, he's coming for the church he redeemed and built, which is also called his bride and his body. These are all singular terms for a corporate relationship with God. We are where many are made one in him. 
So if I am in Christ, then I am one in Him. And in Him, I am in His body. And if I am in His body, I am in His church. Amen? Hallelujah. So think about it. You can read, when you read the New Testament, you find that it was written primarily to the local church. 27 chapters. Nine of those chapters are the four Gospels, and then five chapters were written to individuals. Five letters were written to individuals. Okay? So think about this. When you read the New Testament, two-thirds of it is specifically addressed to local churches. Even Jesus himself had John write seven letters to seven churches in Revelation. He did not write to individuals in those churches. He didn't say, oh, I see Fred in the church of Ephesus. And Fred, you are awesome. And Fred, the whole church is messed up, but Fred, you haven't left your first love. No, when he wrote, he wrote to the church as one, as a body. Are you with me? Everybody was in the church. What came with the same instruction came to each one as one. Are you listening to me? Jesus declared, think about that, because we are all one in him. Jesus declared that there are two or three gathered together in his name that he would be there in the midst of them. Matthew 18, 20. You see, the corporate anointing of the local church produces an atmosphere for the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit and the edifying of the body of Christ. I don't have time to read those scriptures, but if you'll read those, you'll see, as we read in Ephesians 2, we all come together, and as we assemble together, we create this habitation for God by His Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to everyone to profit with all, so God imparts His Spirit to you so that the Holy Ghost will flow forth from you out to others and they will be blessed amen it gets exciting when we understand why we come together first corinthians 14 if we had time we'd read verses 1 through 12 but it says everything that we do when we come together the purpose for coming together is that the church may be edified in fact paul says this he that listen to what paul said he that prays in an unknown tongue verse 2 edifies himself how be it in the Spirit, he speaks mystery. So I'm, I'm able to pray in the Spirit, Jude 20, praying in the Holy Ghost, building up your most holy faith. So God gives me the ability to edify myself, to build myself up, to strengthen myself, to walk in victory, to have clarity and understanding of his word. The Holy Spirit comes to bring clarity and teaching and understanding to my mind on truth. But then so that when I come together, I can walk in that and I can edify somebody else. Amen. He, he empowers us for us to get what we need with him and walk with him so that when we come in, we're filled up with the deposit from relationship with him. And now we have something to give to somebody else. Amen. Amen. And so, but he said, so the person who just prays in an unknown tongue, he can edify himself. But he said, why don't you just go a little further and seek to prophesy that the church might be edified. He said, do all things unto edifying that the body, everyone, might be edified. But what's that say again? That means that you and I, everything today, think about this. I heard this. Do you know on some of our college campuses now, they have speech police and even thought police. Because what you're saying in that thought concept could be offensive to somebody. That makes me feel uncomfortable. 
Oh, I'm sorry, get over it. Because I have a right to my own thoughts. Amen. But we're being told, but it's so I, me, in our culture, I feel so sorry for our young people growing up in this culture. They're being crippled and debilitated with concepts and a mentality that gets them so inwardly, and they're so threatened by everything. We're doing all right. And so with that, it's so important we come to understand what God does. Hear me this morning. The main purpose for everything is to edify the body as a whole or as one man in him, not just as individuals. So hear me this morning. I put this here. The key to the fullness of God's blessing and provision in the life of the believer is directly connected to the corporate anointing. For your life, for my life, is connected to what God does amongst us together, not individually. Okay? This simple truth has been lost in the current culture of our day. That's what we are fighting. As I said earlier as I started, the concept of today is that organized religion is passing away. Let me put you like this. They're doing surveys that say people who are religious but have no affiliation. So if I'm religious with no affiliation, that means I'm a religion to myself. You understand that? I'm a religion to myself. Jesus is coming back for a body. Ephesians tells us five that, that he's coming back for a bride that is without spot or wrinkle. So he's coming back for, for a singular corporate one. Are you listening to me? That's why you are baptized into one. We are made one. The moment you're saved, you're placed in the body. Are you doing all right? So watch this. Uh, go, go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And there's areas when it comes to the authority of the word and living by the word um, that makes a lot of people uncomfortable. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18. But now God has set. Somebody say set. set. But now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleases. So when it comes to be a, a member of a church, a member of the body of Christ living for God, God sets me where I belong. I don't choose where I belong. I don't get to choose where I belong. God sets me there. And so my individual discoveries, God, where, where, where have you set me? We don't call that, that I can go anywhere, do anywhere. I just go here, go there, do whatever. No, where, the, the question is, where is your set place? What is your set function? I don't choose my function, and I don't choose my set place. Amen? Even, and so the, here's a concept, and, and we don't hear any more about this today. It's called lordship. He's my Savior, and he's my Lord, and as my Lord, he sets me, he appoints me, he directs me. Are you listening to me? And so when I find my set place, my set place is where I flourish and where he 
functions through my life as he ordained for my life to function. Are you with me? So, but this truth is lost. And so that corporate anointing is where God sets it. See, God has always blessed his people as a whole, not just as a group of individuals. Think about this. Let's look at what God did. He, he said, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then Jacob, he changed Jacob's name to Israel, which became the name of a nation. But it is a nation that came out of one man. And when God redeems them as the, the house of Israel, God sees all of Israel, God sees every Jewish person as one man in Jacob, named Israel. God sees you as the church, every one of us, as members, as one man in Christ. When God sees you, He sees you as a member of His body. As Are you with me this morning? As one in him. So think about that. So as one man in Jacob called Israel, he brings us in as one body and one man in Christ. So when we go to heaven, we're going there as one man in Christ. Hallelujah. I'm throwing a lot of, of generalities based around a lot of teaching. We could spend a lot of time here. So stay with me on this as I get ready to close. Connection and unity are the hardest things to master in life. How many would agree? Connection and unity. What is divorce? Disconnection. It's people that get disconnected in the relationship. They're no longer unified or agreeing. They're no longer walking in agreement together. The word divorce all, all comes from a compound word meaning divided force. When your force is divided... It, it all, it, the word division come, means, also means double vision. So when you have two visions for what your marriage should be, for what your relationship should be, you, you have division. Then you have divided force. Because, why does the devil love that? Because unity is the place of power. Unity is the place of power. And when we come together, now, in, in order to get rid of division and divided force, you have to die. <laughs> but I don't like to die. I like my vision. I think my vision is the best vision. I just think my partner should agree with that. Amen. Now, we live by that, but then you come into the church and pastoring and doing that. I have all kinds of people that say, Pastor, I think this should be the vision of the church. I say, I agree. Go start one. <laughs> Let's go. Show me how that works. If, if you've got a God vision, go fulfill it. Amen. Amen. But your vision from the Lord is not my vision from the Lord. I have to be obedient. In fact, I thought it was kind of awesome. I encourage you to get the message, I mean, the, our daily devotional. I just pulled out Reddit this morning. This is what it says. Delivered from people pleasing. Most of you know I've mastered that art. <laughs> A paraphrase of what God told to Paul. God said, Paul, I'm going to deliver you from the people. But I like what this said. What God was saying to Paul is, Paul, you're just a mailman. Some days people will like what you deliver. Other days they won't. 
you have to deliver the mail anyway. So I'm setting you free from the fear of their rejection and the need for their acceptance. God has called you to do a particular job. Are you afraid you'll make mistakes? Count on it. You will. Are you worried about being criticized? It comes with the turf. People will disappoint you in 101 different ways. But if you're determined to do the will of God, pray, Lord, deliver me from people-pleasing so I can share with them what you've given me, then get on with the job. What a great devotional. Amen. I said, Lord, thank you. I, I needed that this morning as I preached this message. Amen. Because I'm telling you, how many understand, how many would just agree by a show of hands, what I'm telling you today is counter to the cultural thought of our day. It just doesn't fit. And the church has said, hey, wait a minute. The only way we can reach the world is to start relating more with the world. And so then what we do, we've allowed the world to change us instead of us changing the world. And the world wants to see clarity and truth. And that doesn't mean, and, and in that, we've gotten so conscious about all the wrong. Just live the truth. Just walk in the light as he is in the light. And people see an honest difference in you. Amen? Hallelujah. If the worship team will come back. Never forget, and I'll close right here, the number one goal of the enemy. Oh, let me go back up. Connection and unity of heart. Put, put, put up that quote, if you would, David. Henry Ford said this. I saw it so good, I found this. Coming together is the beginning. Keeping together is progress. Working together is success. What a great quote. Amen? And so the church, coming together is the beginning. Working together is progress. Staying together means success. So never forget. The number one goal of the enemy is to keep you disconnected. Our individual relationship and walk with the Lord is how he fashions us to become effective members of his body and strengthen the brother. In the right, Peter said this. Now, how many remember when Peter said, Lord, I'll never deny you. I'll do everything else and all this stuff. And in Luke, the account says, and Jesus said, Peter, come on. Before the night's over, you're going to deny me three times. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, You'll deny me three times. But then Jesus says this. But Peter, I've prayed for you. And when you're converted, when you're converted, when you come back, strengthen the brethren. Then Jesus appears to Peter on the shore. And he calls to him from, from the shore. They're in the boat. Do you have any fish? He comes, and they notice it's the Lord. And then Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? That's what he said. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. So that's what the Lord said. Strengthen the brethren and feed my people. Walk with me. Have a relationship with me. But let your life be given to ministering to the people, to strengthening the body. When my Christianity, your Christianity, when our faith in Christ takes us to that place that we live and value being made one together and we live to feed, to strengthen, to edify others, the church comes alive in a way that the world is waiting to see. Amen? Would you stand with me this morning? Next week, I'll finish this. But we're better together. Amen? We're better together. The devil knows that. The devil 
is afraid of that. That's why he fights to disconnect it. So this is what I'm going to do. If you need prayer in any area, they're going to lead us in one last song of worship. We're just going to worship the Lord together here. Let's take one moment just to worship him together. I want you just to enter in as they lead. But if you need prayer in any area, we want to pray with you this morning. So if you need prayer, you come forward this morning and we'll pray with you for any area, whatever it is. I'm not going to try and label everything. You need prayer in any area, you come. We'll pray as we worship. Go ahead, guys, and lead us this morning.